love getting prices that are lower than low on food that's fresher than fresh? Then shop at Kroger. We give you more ways to save on the fresh you love with tools like the Kroger app, where you can find personalized coupons on top of weekly sales, giving you prices that are lower than the everyday low. Kroger, fresh for everyone. It's the big $10 sale. So mix and match and get two, three, four, five, or even 10 for $10 with your card. So many great deals. Kroger, fresh for everyone. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens and they kept repeating to me over and over again, simultv.com, simultv.com. What's simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Welcome to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You, where in a single moment you can recognize your brilliance and change your life. This is a transformational hour that covers an array of topics that demonstrate how individuals use their native talents, as shown in their name, to look at the ordinary in extraordinary ways. Albert Einstein once said that everybody is a genius. Why would one of the smartest people on the planet declare that everyone is a genius unless he knew that to be true? I'm your host, Sharon Lynn Wyeth, creator of Namology Science and author of Know the Name, Know the Person. And in each weekly show, you'll hear the fascinating ways other people have discovered the genius in themselves and what they were able to accomplish. At the end of each show, you'll hear clues on how you can recognize your own innate genius. Now, all over the world, people have many, many diverse interests. And in that vein, people have asked about different occupations and areas of life that have highly interested them. People want to know how highly successful people have managed to achieve their genius mindset when they use the gifts that are seen in their name with Namology Science. So how does someone express their creative talents and how does someone share those gifts with others in such a way that everybody benefits? Our guest tonight is Ilana Landsberg-Lewis, who has developed her genius in the area of fundraising for the good of the whole. Now, Ilana Landsberg-Lewis has spent her entire adult life engaged in the struggle for the rights of women and girls. From her early days as a human rights and labor lawyer to her years at the United Nations Development Fund for Women, called UNIFEM, Ilana has worked with women's groups around the world and has learned that no amount of so-called expertise can replace that of women at the front lines of their own struggle for justice. Now, Ilana's been the executive director of the Stephen Lewis Foundation since she co-founded it in 2003. It's a charitable foundation that has sent over $100 million, every penny of it raised, to Sub-Saharan Africa, a community-based organization at the front line of the AIDS epidemic. Now, she launched the Grandmothers to Grandmothers campaign in 2006, and it has since grown into a social movement with over 10,000 and plus grandmothers spread across Canada, Australia, the UK, and the US to support African grandmothers raising millions of orphaned grandchildren. These are orphaned grandchildren because their parents have died of AIDS. Now, the Grandmothers to Grandmothers campaign have raised over $27 million in the last decade, and Ilana has been deeply grateful to learn from indomitable grandmothers the world over. Now, Ilana hosts the podcast, Grandmothers on the Move, which we're going to hear about a little bit later. Welcome to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You radio show, Ilana. Thank you, Sharon. It's wonderful to talk to you. Well, first, we want to know about what it was like for you being a lawyer for the United Nations Development Fund for Women. Was that your first job as a lawyer, or how did you end up there? Well, I started off as a lawyer in Toronto, in Canada, where I live, and 
Uh, I was, as you said, a union side labor lawyer and doing human rights law. And in 1993, uh, I thought, you know, it'd be terribly interesting to see what's happening around human rights, particularly women's rights around the world. And there was a conference at the time, the World Conference on Human Rights in Vienna in 1993. And so I got myself there. And I was just transformed by the experience, Sharon, because that was the conference where all the government conference, the United Nations conference, and that was the conference where women from all over the world came to have their voices heard and to say what was at the time a revolutionary concept, which was women's rights are human rights. And that set me on a completely different path in life. And I decided that I was going to go and work at the United Nations with UNIFEM, the United Nations Development Fund for Women, and uh, devote a good chunk of my life to pursuing uh, some kind of work around women's human rights. What was it like working with the United Nations Development Fund for Women? You know, did you report every day? Did you just work on projects? How did that work? Yeah, it was very thrilling. I I was a younger woman then, and uh, and UNIFEM, as it's called, is a UN agency, just like UNICEF. It's now called UN Women, and it had offices in developing countries around the world, which were there to work with women and to help them achieve and sort of have their rights recognized and enjoy their rights, but also to empower them and to be involved in whatever way was helpful for women to take their rightful place mm-hmm. in their communities and societies. And so wherever uh, I was working as something called the CEDAW advisor, and CEDAW is the Convention on the Elimination of All Forms of Discrimination Against Women, which is the Women's Convention out of the United Nations. And so when women's groups uh, were wanting to talk about their rights, advance their rights, whether it was around being represented in Parliament or having access to economic empowerment. Uh, they would ask for us to come and to work with them just to give them information and access to the kinds of rights to which they could avail themselves. And it was a deep, deep honor and privilege, and I, I learned over the years that I think I got much more out of it than they did. Uh, I was just conveying information, and they were the ones who were really on the front lines doing activism around everything from violence against women to getting bills passed in Parliament, uh, making marital rape or domestic violence uh, illegal. And it was it was extraordinarily thrilling, and I learned an enormous amount. And so it wasn't just writing papers and writing reports. It was It was really being involved with women who were engaged in making the world a better place for everyone in their country and their communities. And that's when I realized that uh, over time that I really wanted to be involved in amplifying the voices and realities of those women without substituting my expertise and my voice for theirs. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting to me because when I spent a month in Mali, there was a big thing about raising enough money so that a community could have a cow. And then as that cow mm-hmm. produced extra milk and they earned money, that then that money, instead of coming back to us, it would go to another community and they could do a cow. And then when they would pay back their cow, in essence, it would go to another community. So it was like, how many cows could we start with to get so many communities started right. so they could pay it forward? And then when I spent a month in Bangladesh, it was all about water clean water was so hard to find over there. And so it was, how do we do the wells or how do we do the siphoning or the the system where the water can go through and get clean so people don't get sick because they simply can't find clean water. And I noticed that you have spent a lot of time with AIDS. Was there a particular reason that AIDS caught your attention more than any other particular um, funding or cause? Yep, there there really was. That's that's astute of you. Um, in in the late '90s, early 2000s, I was deeply engaged at UNIFEM with all of these different programs uh, around the around the world, from uh, Central America to to Africa and Sub-Saharan Africa to South Asia. And one of the things that became extraordinarily alarming and consternating was that some of the really dynamic projects and activities that women were engaging in in sub-Saharan Africa, all around women and girls empowerment, um, were being deeply compromised. And at first we didn't know why, but it became 
patently and heartbreakingly obvious over time that because the AIDS pandemic had taken root in sub-Saharan Africa, the pretty shocking level of death that was happening every week, every day, every week, every month was a conflict for the women in terms of doing the other projects and activities that they were involved in, they were dealing with so much trauma and, and trying to keep their families alive and, and together. Uh, and that's when I realized that the AIDS pandemic was really this kind of stark realization for some of us that being female was the vector of gender, of, of danger. The gender inequality was driving the AIDS pandemic and that women were at the heart of the infections, but they were also at the heart of the response to AIDS at the community level. And that's why I decided to turn my work in that direction. And it just so happened that my father was the uh, the first Secretary General Special Envoy on HIV AIDS in Africa. And so we came together and decided uh, that we should really do something more than what we were both doing at the time and decided that we would start a foundation. We didn't have any means ourselves, so we knew that every penny would have to be raised. Uh, but but I, at that moment, it was a good good moment personally in terms of my own development because I realized that uh, I, I was watching women struggling to keep everything going and to answer the terrible ravages of AIDS and mitigate against them with so little funding and so little support. They knew exactly what to do and how to do it. They just simply didn't have the support. Nothing was trickling down to the grassroots. So it was a good moment to step into fundraising, even though I admit I didn't know very much about it. Well, we're going to find out more in our next segment. So this is the part of the show where we interpret a portion of our guest's name. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, Alana Landsberg-Lewis. You have a real warning in your name that says you have to be careful of being misdiagnosed by allopathic medicine where it can really affect the rest of your life. So your name indicates naturopathic is the way to go. And it also says the other warning in your name that really stands out is that you want to always be aware of safety because you could be in the wrong place at the wrong time and have violence. But your name indicates that you want to make the world a better place, that you're very amicable, easily likable. You made yourself likable, but you're not going to change who you are and able to get liked and that you are constantly learning new things because that just is what it's all about. And that's the most fun. Um, Your name also indicates a high level of self-confidence. And that you're willing to do the work that's needed, but you don't want to have to do any extra work than what's needed, okay? Because there needs to be some kind of a balance in your life between work and with play. So we will continue this, everyone, after we take a break. Stay tuned to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You, which is being heard on xzbn.net and Xzone Broadcast Network and on the website knowthename.com. Now, after the break, we're going to find out about the Stephen Lewis Foundation and what they do. Stay tuned. a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomenon, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, The X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com 
or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035 extension 143 and on Skype Exxon Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember Exxon Nation. Keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. It's hard to listen to the news without realizing we're living in volatile, unprecedented times. Yet never has there been such an opportunity to transform the human condition. As old structures fail, where can we find the guidance to co-create a better way? Find Your Path Home is an ever-evolving, leading-edge information, education, and healing resource center designed to support and guide you on your path to unity and enlightenment. Based on sound principles employed by shaman worldwide, we provide techniques that can support you through the current transitions, offering online shamanic classes, international long-distance shamanic healing sessions, complimentary Mission Evolution radio episodes and Stairway to Heaven TV vignettes, seminars, retreats, and much more. All of this can be found on findyourpathhome.com. Welcome back. I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, and you're listening to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You, which is being heard on xzbn.net and knowthename.com. Our guest tonight is Ilana Landsberg-Lewis, whose website is grandmothersonthemove.com. Now, you co-founded Stephen Lewis uh, Foundation. Now, you mentioned kind of in the earlier, that was your father, Stephen Lewis? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, when I was looking him up and trying to find out information, it says that he worked five years as the United Nations UN Special Envoy for AIDS and HIV in Africa. And he both drew attention to the AIDS crisis from 2001 to 2006, when it wasn't as well known as it is today. And he convinced leaders and the public that it was everyone's responsibility to respond. And it turns out he was highly responsible in this role. And having said that, what is the purpose today of the Stephen Lewis Foundation, and why did you create it in 2003? Mm-hmm. Um, well, the, the purpose and the mission stays the same. Uh, when, we, when we started it together in 2003, the founding notion, Sharon, was that my father had been traveling around uh, the African continent in his capacity as the envoy, special envoy in HIV and AIDS, and he... He often described it as a death march, going from hut to hut, home to home, city to city, village to village, watching people die in massive heartbreaking numbers and millions of children being orphaned by AIDS. And he felt quite hopeless. The response of the international community was extremely lamentably slow. And so many, many millions of people, over 30 million now, uh, died. Uh, needlessly in many circumstances. And so we decided, okay, let's do something. I was also, as I had mentioned earlier, uh, I was also noticing that it was compromising a lot of the really powerful and important women's rights work that was going on uh, on the continent. And we decided to try and do something about it. We had very modest aspirations, but real clarity about the purpose, which was that there was some money, although it was trickling slowly, as I said, from the international community, but there was some money going to hospital infrastructure and to governments. There was very little, if any, money trickling down to the community level. But it was at community level where there were so many tenacious, determined uh, community-based organizations, grassroots organizations, uh, overwhelmingly 
uh, powered by women who were, as I said, at the heart of the response to HIV and AIDS, and they just weren't getting the support that they were that they needed to make a difference. And at that time, it was just helping people to die with dignity, helping to stitch the fabric of life and family back together after it had been completely decimated by AIDS. As time went on, uh, we were able to see, and we've seen the evolution of uh, of the AIDS pandemic and more resources have come. Of course, the the drugs, the antiretrovirals for HIV and AIDS have arrived on the continent. Only 50% of those who need the drugs still have access to them. Uh, but there's still an enormous amount of powerful work being done. There's still a million, over a million people dying of AIDS in sub-Saharan Africa each year and over a million being infected each year. So the crisis is still with us, but it has evolved. And those small community-based organizations, those determined women who are just not going to give up on their communities and their families, dealing with the stigma of HIV and AIDS, the agony of loss, all of those children who had lost one or both of their parents, uh, they developed these stunning programs, Sharon, that were just uh, innovative and, and savvy and very, very uh, emotionally intelligent, trying to get everything uh, back in motion and rebuild resilience and reclaim hope and a, the hope for the future, both for kids and for their families. And that's what we've been funding. Our determination was to get funds directly into the hands of those community-based organizations without intermediaries, without skimming money off the top, uh, without going through governments, just to get the funds that were so desperately needed directly to those who are making the biggest biggest difference in the struggle for life and uh, and dealing with the death. And that has continued to this day in, in most powerful terms. And, and what we recognized over time, of course, was who were the people who were stepping in to look after these millions of orphans. There are now between 14 to 16 million children orphaned by AIDS and in sub-Saharan Africa. And who was stepping in to look after those children were these, as, as you said earlier, my intro, the, uh, the indomitable grandmothers who would bury their adult children, uh, lost them to AIDS, and the next morning get up and have yet more grandchildren that they were going to take care of and nurture and make sure that, as the grandmothers have often said in Africa, that they would not raise another generation for the grave. Oh, that is so sad, but so admirable what you're doing, and even what the grandmothers are doing. You know, when I spent... Yeah. Uh, time. I've, I spent a lot of time in Mali and in Kenya and Tanzania and a few other countries, but those are the ones that I really saw it affected, where it came to my attention that many people thought that having sex with a virgin would cure them of AIDS. And that belief saw many children and even babies were starting to be raped to try to make sure that they got a virgin. You know, do you know how that's going today? And if that belief has been annihilated because, um, you know, they've been educated that, hey, that doesn't do it. Yep, that, that belief did exist in some, in some communities, and, and we did hear about that too. Um, again, it, the response was, was swift and, and powerful on the part of uh, women's groups and community-based organizations who spent an enormous amount of time doing awareness raising and outreach to communities to disabuse them of uh, beliefs that, that might be uh, in this case, terribly wrong, um, but also to engage the entire community in changing attitudes and changing uh, the way that they're working together uh, so that they can actually support the community to move into a, a what now people call living positively if they're HIV infected or affected supporting one another. And so a lot of that early a lot of that early stuff, I mean, the rape is inexcusable, I'm not talking about that, but the, the early uh, understandings or, or misconceptions about HIV and AIDS, there was so little information flowing. Really, at community level, there, there has been an incredibly sophisticated response to all of that. So yes, you absolutely see changes in all sorts of areas where people just didn't know what was happening and what the disease was, and, and that is not the case now and and we we know that there are still people who need to be reached and uh and with our partners we've we've supported over uh, 1600 initiatives with over 300 organizations in the 15 countries in sub-saharan africa hardest hit by the aids pandemic amongst them the countries you mentioned kenya tanzania malawi and they 
they tell a, a, a story over the last 15 years of that sustained support of, of really transformative work in the lives of communities. And there are a lot of young people who are now taking positions of leadership and peer-to-peer mentorship and making sure that as much information and awareness is spread. Uh, and, that, and that makes a tremendous difference in everyday people's lives. So, so, Ilana, how did you keep your approach to the AIDS and HIV epidemic in Africa uh, to remain informed, responsive, relevant, and effective over the years? Well, the key is for us has always been the sort of self-given mandate that we don't drive the agenda. Uh, I, I've been talking a lot lately about the commodification of philanthropy. We see sort of uh, holiday or Christmas catalogs where you can buy a goat or buy chicks for for a community, and and that's that's. I've always done, I'll speak personally for myself, that that has some really problematic dimensions to it. These communities are dealing with uh, a multi-layer of challenges and and the grassroots groups talk very intelligently about a holistic approach, which I've always loved. It's not aromatherapy. It's not, <laughs> it's not in that realm. Um, when they talk about taking a holistic approach, it's a very serious concept and it's, and it's why the work has been so effective. And we've learned from them and they drive our agenda and tell us what really is working and what needs to be done because they're the experts at the community level. And the holistic approach is tremendously interesting and I think quite organically, organically knowable and understandable to us. You know, you can have a program that gets kids into school and the people who are funding that program, the donors want to know how many kids got into school, how many kids graduated. But if, and those are important numbers, sure. But the real story doesn't get told and the real understanding of what it takes for this community to get the kids back into school and to do well and flourish and graduate and have a vision of the future if they don't have a meal at least one meal a day, if they don't have a caregiver who's in good shape, so if the grandmother is just stretched beyond reasoning with two to ten orphaned kids under one roof, if they don't have kerosene to do homework at night, if they have to walk miles and miles and they're, uh, and they're vulnerable while they're doing so, and so the... And if they have, you know, heartbreak around losing their parents or losing their relatives or uh, or if they're anxious because they're going to be separated from siblings because the grandmother just can't take care of all of them and some are going to go live with an auntie. So the organizations look at all of this and make sure that there's uh, counseling and support for the family and economic engagement with the grandmother caregiver and all of the things that I mentioned. So this holistic approach, we know this from having our own kids and our own families. Uh, if your child's going to school and everything's fine, but they're dealing with something very deep emotionally or someone's not well in the family, then they need support. And in the context of HIV and AIDS, there's an extraordinary amount of support that needed to be had. Millions of lives ripped away of young people in their productive years left wow. whole communities in crisis. Yeah. It just, it, it almost seems overwhelming. I am so glad you got involved yeah. in this. We need to take another break. Stay tuned to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You, which is being heard on XZBN.net, an Exxon Broadcast Network station, and on the website, knowthename.com. Now, this show is dedicated to educating people on what's actually happening in Africa and how you can help. After the break, we'll find out more about some of the different ways that Ilana Landsberg-Lewis has helped others with her Grandmothers on the Move organization. Stay tuned. here and they've been here for thousands of years making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? 
The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jennings, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the Word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God. It was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God, and finally, after the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Welcome back. I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, and you're listening to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You. Our guest tonight is Ilana Landsberg-Lewis, an expert on knowing how not only to raise millions of dollars for charity, but how to get the most bang for the buck, as the saying goes, when spending the money raised to get the maximum help for each dollar. She can be reached at her website, grandmothersonthemove.com. Now, I just want to say it again, because if you would like to help, please visit grandmothersonthemove.com. Now, Ilana, before the break, it was just, it was a heartbreaking listening to you. And I think listening would be so much easier than actually living the, the tragedies of what the children are dealing with, losing their parents, trying to get educated. And, you know, one of the things that I found when I was in Mali is that starting in third grade, instead of teaching in the native tongue, all the classes were in French. So if the child didn't also know French, they stopped going to school. And then they had another ruling that only the oldest child could attend school, and they, that one had to come home and teach the younger ones. And so is that also a concern of what you're finding with the schools around the rest of Africa? No, no, I can, I can truly tell you no. Um, that that is, that is there, are, there have often in history been all sorts of colonial impositions, but, uh, but that has not been the response elsewhere. And in fact, there has been really concerted efforts made uh, by communities and by schools and uh, and by sort of local governments and national governments to to get kids into school um, and to support them and certainly uh, to be speaking the national and local languages. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think there's been an enormous, enormous uh, effort there, particularly with children who have been orphaned by AIDS, and there's been unbelievable progress made. Uh, kids graduating and doing well and feeling hopeful about their future, and uh, if they're HIV, if they're infected with HIV, uh, getting access to to the necessary medication and and living hopefully. Uh, of course, there's a lot, lot more to be done. As I said, there's there's 50% or fewer kids uh, across Sub-Saharan Africa who have access to the life-saving. Uh, medication that they need, those who are HIV infected. And uh, so there's a lot more work yet to be done. But it's moving. It's moving with alacrity and intelligence at the grassroots. That's where the real change happens. Well, and, and, and I also noticed when I visited some of the schools, when I was traveling around, that there was such a short supply of books and pencils and paper and things that here we just so take for granted. Like you would have an entire classroom sharing one book you know, and that type of thing. And they would all have little chalk tablets instead of paper because that way they could erase and keep going. I mean, the conditions and that I saw that I thought, oh my gosh, you know, they really want to learn and look what they're willing to put up with. One, they don't know any better, but, but two, they're so hungry for knowledge. Are you seeing that everywhere you're going to? Um, everywhere the children are 
uh, are are loving to learn, wanting to learn. School creates a place of continuity. If they've been, uh, if if you've had loss in your life, if you've had hardship, and and so many have, uh, that happens for us here too, right? That for children, school creates that sense of continuity, of normalcy, and so getting kids back into school is incredibly. Uh, undeniably important. Yes, the resources are scarce. They're not as much as they need to be or ought to be. Um, there are there's the need for all of the kinds of programs I was talking about that enhance life and make make things easier for kids to benefit from education. Those have to happen in tandem with the actual sort of infrastructure of education. So all of that has to be done, um, and that's why that's why we do the fundraising and the awareness raising they do. Because the other thing that's happening in those in so many of the schools uh, where there are strong community-based organizations that are all over sub-Saharan Africa, all over the continent of Africa, is that um, that there are these really innovative approaches to education. They come up with uh, with really new and innovative approaches which we could stand to learn from. There's an enormous amount of very very thoughtful and powerful play therapy being done uh, with children and uh, incredible ways of bringing kids who have had to step out of school or been unable to go to school because they were orphaned by AIDS to re-enter school and get back up to speed. So there's really brilliant work being done. Which is just amazing. Um, I'm I'm just curious, since you co-founded the Stephen Lewis Foundation with your dad, is he still with us? Yes, he certainly is. Yep, yeah, he's still out there doing <laughs> doing his How thing. And, uh, yeah, he's. I uh, bet he's so pleased yeah. with what's been happening. Sorry, I said I bet he is so pleased with what you've been able to do with the foundation. Oh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been incredibly gratifying. I think the thing that has been um, most powerful at this end of the equation um, is is the response from. Uh, from people, it's been really overwhelming and and heartwarming. But also, uh, I think it's really quite wonderful that even when governments did not respond as as they should have in the early years, even when AIDS is quite a bit off the radar, certainly AIDS in Africa is fundamentally off the radar of uh, a lot of the consciousness around the need for awareness raising and fundraising, that individuals and unions and teachers and schools and uh, and people uh, in families are still uh, incredibly mindful of what's happening, really care about this, have come together in common cause. And, uh, and that's very much what the grandmothers, I mean, the grandmothers uh, in this grandmothers to grandmothers campaign that the Stephen Lewis Foundation launched in 2006 they've really role modeled for us how you come together in in communities of care and engagement and common cause and so grandmothers across started in Canada grandmothers across Canada now in Australia and in the UK and just starting recently in the United States grandmothers have come together uh, to in a solidarity movement and and their mantra has been you know solidarity not charity that they stand in solidarity with the African grandmothers who they see as equal and dignified counterparts who are experts about what it's going to take to resurrect family and reclaim life. And the, the grandmothers in the global grandmothers to grandmothers campaign, whether it's in the U S or in Canada or Australia are there to stand with them. And the grandmothers, as you mentioned earlier, Sharon have come together in over 200 or 250 groups over the last 10 years uh, around the world to raise over, I think it's now over $30 million that has gone directly into the hands of community-based organizations run by grandmothers and for grandmothers. With, uh, I'd love that. Yeah, so it's quite extraordinary. How do you go and they are indomitable. For your, yeah. How do you go yeah. about raising money for your charities and making sure that the funds are spent helping who you intend for them to help and that they don't get siphoned away by somebody in management? How do you do that? Yeah. How do you do that? Well, you know what? It's so much easier than people think and so much easier than people imagine. There's, there's not a lot of mystery to it. We have, um, we have a wonderful cadre of colleagues. Uh, we don't have offices in Africa. We, we don't think it's necessary. That's not what we're, we're not running our own programs. Um, we're funding local community-based organizations that exist that we're not running. So we have a cadre of, um, of colleagues who 
live on the continent or from the continent have run uh, community-based organizations themselves in the past, and they visit all of the organizations with which we partner, all of our partners. They visit them before we fund them so that they can see that they're a bona fide organization, that they have a real connection to the community, and community members are part of the staff and the board. Uh, and they go and they continue to visit throughout the life of the partnership just to see how things are going and is the money going where uh, where people understood it was going. And very importantly, not just to be checking up on what's happening, but to be ensuring that we are being the most intelligent, responsive funders. Because it's our responsibility, too, to make sure that when people, individuals, family foundations, uh, unions, uh, employee groups uh, here give us funds, it's our responsibility, too, to make sure that we are using those funds and we're sending them over in a, in a way that is truly useful and truly helpful. Uh, and so there's a whole system in place to make sure that uh, that we're the, the best and most responsive and thoughtful funder that we can be. Uh, and at their end, I can, I can say people often think that it's all about trusting the African organizations, but, you know, these are organizations that are of, by, and for their communities. And they're held accountable. They hold each other accountable to one another because they're at the epicenter of the crisis of AIDS and the response to AIDS. And there's no greater impetus for making a real difference and being accountable than that, surely. So, Ilana, what's the biggest revelation that you've personally had since you started working, you know, with these different groups and, and doing this work that you're doing today? Um, I think that, I think... Wow, I don't know if it's the biggest, but it's certainly one that that I think about a lot. <laughs> it's just that uh, I I had heard for a long time from a lot of people that there was a lot of cynicism around um, around charitable works and around funding. That there was a lot of donor fatigue, I think they call it. But that is not my observation. What I have seen is that there's an incredible wealth of generosity of spirit. I think that people really respond to and it, and it resonates deeply for people that uh, that this is about solidarity, that, uh, that these African communities are doing everything in their power to overcome the ravages of AIDS and they've moved so far and that all they need is uh, is some of the support. They have all the know-how. And, uh, and that's just been very touching to me that people actually really do respond. Well, I, I think... I think people in the United States and Canada as a whole are incredibly generous people. But we need to take yeah. our last break. Stay tuned to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You on xzbn.net and knowthename.com. Now, after the break, we're going to find out what Ilana Landsberg-Lewis has in her name that has assisted her that you just might have in your name as well. Stay tuned. heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simul TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, sci-fi and horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. 
they are here and they've been here for thousands of years making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens and they kept repeating to me over and over again, Simultv.com, Simultv.com. What's Simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a Simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about Simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. SIMULTV.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about Simultv.com. SIMULTV.com. Welcome back. I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, and you're listening to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You. Now, our guest tonight is Ilana Landsberg-Lewis, whose website is grandmothersonthemove.com. Again, that is grandmothersonthemove.com. Now, she's taken her skills to a level where she's able to share her secrets with others for them to be able to raise money and how to do it so that she can help people in Africa combat AIDS. Now, in this segment of the show, I'd like to really address your work, Ilana, with Grandmothers on the Move that your Stephen Lewis Foundation began in March of 2006. So give us again what exactly Grandmothers on the Move is, why you started it, and how somebody can get involved in that. Okay, well, I'll make a distinction, Sharon. Thank you for that question. Grandmothersonthemove.com and Grandmothers on the Move is just the name of my podcast where I interview grandmothers from all over the world to shine a light on the vital contribution that grandmothers make in our communities around the world. But the Grandmothers to Grandmothers campaign of the Stephen Lewis Foundation is a global campaign. The Stephen Lewis Foundation is, is the hub in Canada. And that campaign that started in 2006, uh, you can go to... Uh, the StephenLewisFoundation.org uh, or GrandmothersCampaignUSA.org if in the U.S. And there's also a Grandmothers Campaign website in Canada. And it can tell you how to join and what it is. And fundamentally, that's a solidarity campaign where grandmothers, first in Canada, then Australia and the U.S., are, have come together over the last decade to stand in solidarity with African grandmothers who are raising millions of grandchildren and children orphaned by AIDS. And the grandmothers come together in groups. Each group has its own name, but they're all part of the Grandmothers to Grandmothers campaign of the Stephen Lewis Foundation. And they raise awareness about AIDS in Africa and the dignity and intelligence and tenacity of the African grandmothers, and they and they raise funds. And it's quite amazing. It's very cool, Sharon. I mean... The grandmothers are, are really indefatigable in their work. They they have marathons, they have Scrabble tournaments, some make crafts, some uh, some have bicycle marathons, and you know they the Scrabble tournament uh, raised a hundred thousand in one night. And there was a group of grandmothers out west who on the west coast who went on a bicycle marathon and raised over $70,000 in a couple of days riding kilometers. These are women in their 60s, 70s, 80s, women who have come together. They don't always know each other. Sometimes it's just a couple of friends who decide that they hear about what African grandmothers are doing and they understand that there's a reason why the world isn't hearing about the grandmothers of Africa who are raising 
uh, children who have been orphaned and who have buried their own adult children. And that's because we don't we don't pay enough attention and we certainly don't give uh, shine a spotlight on grandmothers and the role that older women play in our communities. And at the heart of the response to the HIV and AIDS pandemic in Africa has been these really uh, extraordinary and unstoppable grandmothers who have come together with their community organizations. And so I think grandmothers around the world who hear about this understand that it's not acceptable to have these grandmothers be invisible, and it's certainly not acceptable uh, that they're not being supported adequately as they are, as they, as we call them and as they call themselves, as they are the guardians of the future. And then they have to, in their twilight years and in their later years, begin to parent all over again, right in the midst of the grief of losing their own adult children. And so the Grandmothers to Grandmothers campaign uh, brings grandmothers come together and grandothers, by the way. There's a whole other category of grandothers. If you're not a grandmother, you can still join, come together and raise this awareness and raise, uh, I've raised over $30 million in the last decade that goes directly into the hands of these community-based organizations and the grandmothers who run them. I, I just think that's incredible. I just think how much fun. I mean, I know about the, from being there, about different organizations mm-hmm. and what's happening and everything. And I had never heard of this grandmother group. And I just think what an enjoyable way to help other people across the world improve their lives and what a difference it can make. So, Ilana, what's kept you motivated this entire time? I mean, this is a lot of work, and I know you don't get paid. So what has kept you <laughs> motivated to do this? Well, as, as the executive director of the Stephen Lewis Foundation, I do get paid, Sharon. I, I, it's a full-time job. Uh, the Grandma's on the Move podcast is a, is a, is a personal side project uh but you can hear grandmothers from the grandmothers to grandmothers campaign interviewed on the podcast periodically um you know what keeps me motivated is is actually the uh the people that that the foundation exists to serve you know the africans at the heart of the aids pandemic and the the grandmothers and the women at the heart of the response to aids are uh, are are so inspiring they they work hard, they work intelligently, they're, they're so thoughtful, and their programs are transformative, and they are turning the tide of AIDS in Africa, slowly but surely, and always within, without oh. adequate funding. But it's people here, too, who respond, who, who keep me hopeful that, uh, that we can do this with respect and with, uh, and with and understanding and appreciating that they are the real experts and the agents of change in their own lives. Now, you have all these gatherings for grandmothers in various parts of Africa, like Tanzania, South Africa, and Uganda. Tell us about these gatherings for grandmothers. Well, you know, one of the things that's happened is that there are all these uh, grassroots groups run by and for grandmothers in sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, They don't, but they don't have the opportunity very often, if at all, to come together themselves. And so one of the things that uh, the Stephen Lewis Foundation and the Grandmothers to Grandmothers campaign, uh, one of the things that we decided to do was to work with our partners in sub-Saharan Africa and say to them, would you would you like to have the opportunity for the grandmothers to come together and the groups that support them? And so in Uganda, South Africa, Tanzania, grandmothers have come together. Uh, in Tanzania, in, sorry, in Uganda, the first one, there were 500 grandmothers who came together. And the grandmothers, the African grandmothers, run workshops for each other on everything from how to raise an HIV-positive child to, to, how, to uh, how to lobby for your rights to a pension or to access to adequate health care. And so the grandmothers start to come together. They've already come together in support groups. Now they come together in common cause. And it really moves the agenda forward. In South Africa, we had a grandmother's gathering right before the International AIDS Conference. And the South African groups, the grandmothers were the organizing committee, and all of the groups decided what the workshops would be. And then right before, on the eve of the International AIDS Conference, 2,000 grandmothers uh, marched, South African grandmothers marched to the steps of the AIDS conference to say, we must be heard, we must be visible, we must be supported. 
Absolutely incredible. Now, tell us about the Circle of Harmony concert that's coming up in February in Burlington, Ontario, where people can can go to that, I gather, and it's a fundraiser, or tell us about mm-hmm. it. Yeah, well, it's it's one of the fundraisers. Uh, grandmothers groups across Canada and uh, and in Australia, and now starting in the U.S., hold fundraisers, like the one you just talked about in, in Burlington. They hold fundraisers, and uh, as, I, as I was saying, they... they they range the gamut from concerts to craft sales to uh, to garden walks. They, the grandmothers have so many uh, creative things that they do uh, to raise funds and raise awareness about the African grandmothers that they exist to support. So that's just a, uh, one of the examples of the kinds of things that grandmothers come together to do. Um, and it's and it's tremendous because it brings the whole community together, much in the same way that the uh, that their African counterparts have come together in community to ensure that everyone is uh, is doing well and thriving uh, in in spite of the AIDS pandemic. So if people in Burlington, Ontario want to know more at where the Circle of Harmony concert is going to be, the cost and all of that, give us the website again right. where they can go and find out more information. Right. So there's the grandmothers, grandmotherscampaign.org. You can go on the grandmothers campaign website or you can go to Stephen Lewis, Stephen with a PH, Stephen Lewis Foundation.org. And you'll see there uh, all sorts of information that shows you some of the community events, but you can also connect to the grandmothers to grandmothers campaign website there and, uh, and lots of grandmothers, uh, grandmother group events. Uh, will be listed there so that you can see wherever you live, what's ha- what are the grandmothers doing in your community and your neighborhood so you can lend support. And if you're a grandmother or a grandother and you want to join up, then you can just get in touch with us at the Stephen Lewis Foundation or you can go on one of these websites I've mentioned. And there's all sorts of information about how to start a group, how to join a group, uh, and how to bring this richness into your life of, of communities uh, standing in solidarity. Ilana, this has just been tremendous. I so appreciate you giving us your time to educate us about what's happening, especially with the grandmothers to grandmothers. I just think that's phenomenal. So thank you so much for being with us tonight. Thank you, Sharon. It was a real pleasure. I appreciate it. And I'll keep that those tips about my name that I didn't know closely. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Be prepared, surprised, and pleased when you experience Ilana Landsberg Lewis's work with her grandmothers to grandmothers. Again, her website is grandmothersonthemove.com, but you can also go to grandmothers to grandmothers.com, uh, the campaign. Now, Ilana's name excels at constantly being willing and seeking new information. She is a constant learner. This is found in the last letter of her name being an S. If the last letter in your name ends in an S, you will be learning new things your entire life also and constantly wanting to learn more. Do you know where your genius lies? I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, host of the radio show, Know the Name, Know the Genius in You, which can be heard every weekday at various hours right here on xzbn.net radio and xzone broadcast network and on knowthename.com. Now, giving a gift of a name reading this session is easy for you for this season and unforgettable for the recipient. So if you would like to give a gift of a name session, go to knowthename.com to find out more. Knowing what your name reveals helps you to live to your best and highest. Again, the website is knowthename.com. Remember, once you know the name, you know all about the person. This is Sharon Lynn Wyeth signing off. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. 
Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I dot net. If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is TV. TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. 